The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 4th. You're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott, and... It's Wiltfong season, as in it's Steve Wiltfong season. Time to get Steve Wiltfong, 24-7 Sports Recruiting Insider, on the phone because tomorrow is National Signing Day. Steve, you ready for it? Yeah, looking forward to being down in Nashville at the 24-7 Sports World Headquarters with all of y'all, breaking down the latest information, commits, classes, and all that on our show. Yeah, I'm excited to have you down here. We've got a signing day show from noon central to three o'clock that'll be aired on our website and on Facebook Live. And Wednesday's podcast will be a little bit later because Steve will will need a little bit of time to recap the winners and losers from signing day. But until then, I was thinking we could go over an article you had today on 247sports.com, or I guess on Monday, uh, an updated predictions for the nation's 10 best available recruits. And let's just jump right into it. We've got some good stuff at the top. Five-star defensive tackle Jordan Birch, the number eight player in the 24-7 sports composite, committed to South Carolina on the first day of the early signing period, but didn't sign. And South Carolina fans saw it, nothing to worry about. Well, last weekend, or I guess two weekends ago, he visits LSU. And you were feeling Bayou Bengals, but he had, an, he had another visit to South Carolina this past weekend. Now you think it's a true toss-up between the Gamecocks and the Tigers, don't you? Well, it was South Carolina's turn in the batter's box. It sounds like it was a great visit. Talked to some people that spent time with Jordan Burch that thinks he'll ultimately stick. But Ed Orgeron and LSU and, and, and the Tigers uh, aren't going away on Jordan Burch. And I'd imagine Coach Ed Orgeron and company will have a couple more conversations with their top remaining target as they try and close their class out strong. Who needs Jordan Birch more? Is South Carolina the obvious answer? Well, certainly. I mean, they're a program that's trying to make a maneuver uh, in the SEC. But for LSU, it's the type of recruiting win that maintains the standard there now, which is competing for national championships after hoisting the crystal ball this year. And I know that they're going to point to new defensive coordinator Bo Pelini and say he coached uh, Ndamukong Sue, Glenn Dorsey, two of the most decorated college football defensive lineman in the last 20 years come get some of that at lsu where meanwhile south carolina uh will muschamp also defensive minded uh his son and, and jordan birch were high school teammates uh, i don't think there's a head coach that that jordan's been around more than than will muschamp um, I, I think that when jordan made his decision he, he said that lsu was the runner-up 
I talked to a, a person at South Carolina that said they went into that first announcement not knowing. I think that they felt like they had a shot. Uh, I, I think that there's more confidence now that he sticks than there was going into that announcement. Uh, but at the same time, I think that uh, the Birch camp has given LSU reason for optimism here late as well. I'm starting to get Zachary Evans fatigue. Uh, the number 16 player in the 24-7 sports composite. I mean, people are so interested where, in where he's going to go. And you said on Monday, you go, I don't even think this recruitment ends on national signing day. So we've got potentially a few more months of watching and waiting to see where this five-star running back ends up? Well, we've kind of talked about that over the last few weeks because when Georgia let him out of his letter of intent, the rule is you can't sign another one. So with all the twists and turns that we've had and momentum swings and new leaders and commitment dates and rescinded commitment dates and then a signed LOI and then a rescinded LOI, it's hard to just say this is exactly what's going to happen uh, with Zach Evans in, in February and book it till he uh, walks on campus in June and enrolls in class and starts preparing for his, his, his true freshman year. And, and so uh, a source uh, today said keep an eye on, on Florida for a potential visit in March. But tell Trey, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a different school. He's got one more official in play. He took uh, one LSU in, in February. He took one to Texas, or excuse me, took one to LSU and one to Texas A&M in the fall. Uh, took took officials to um, uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee in January, and, and hell, he he could shut it down. He could shut it down and, and commit somewhere on on Tuesday, but I still wouldn't fully believe it all. Or on Wednesday, but I wouldn't fully believe it all until he's in there uh, donning the the gear and, and practicing. And he's already graduated, Trey. He originally planned on enrolling early. And, and being on campus with the school he signed with right now uh, in, in class preparing for spring ball, but obviously that's not the case. It's rare to take a recruitment past signing day, but it's not without precedent. A few years ago, Demetrius Robertson waited until late spring to make a decision eventually landing at Cal, and he was the number one receiver in the composite in that 2016 class. All right, Steve, this is the formality at this point, we think, but Broderick Jones, the number 11 player in the composite, a five-star offensive tackle, is committed to Georgia. Auburn tried to make a move, but you think he's going to sign with Georgia on Wednesday? Well, I'm kind of following the reporting of Rusty Manziel from Dogs 247 and, and Keith Niebuhr from Auburn Undercover on that one. Both those guys have, have been the lead experts on, on Broderick, and, and, and Broderick was expected to visit uh, Auburn uh, over the weekend, but Rusty reported that Kirby uh, Smart's in-home on Friday went all the way till the very last minute. Uh, which is 11:59, and then you got to be out the house. Uh, and, and he never made it to Auburn. So uh, Georgia and, and Kirby Smart and those guys are really building the reputation of being the best closers in college football. When you look, even look at what they did in the early signing period, but just what they've done over the last couple cycles in the end, how they've closed top targets this time, keeping them in the fold with Broderick Jones. And then he also did take an official to Arkansas. So I checked with the source uh, over there this morning to see if they thought that they still uh, were in the mix uh, for Broderick. Sam Pittman was obviously the offensive line coach at Georgia when he committed to the dogs um, and the uh, source over there thought that the visit was more of a courtesy to Fayetteville and, and they didn't, didn't think he would be in the class. I'm going to throw in Cedric Van Pran in this, in this box as well. We'll skip a, a, a few players because he's number 59 in the composite. But another guy, Steve, who's committed to Georgia and you believe will sign with Georgia. So uh, that seems pretty pretty slam dunky, right? 
Yeah, that's been the feel for a while too, is that he would ultimately stick. You talk to uh, other members of the recruiting class and, and other sources, they've always felt good that Cedric would eventually ultimately sign. Broderick was the one where there was legitimate doubt. And Auburn's had some big recruiting wins over Georgia and, and other uh, high power SEC peers um, this cycle and in the past. And, and so you couldn't rule them out until uh, Coach Smart and company staying in the house all the way till Thursday night. It's big for Georgia to to actually ink these guys because they are losing a ton from one of the nation's best offensive lines. Four-star safety, Avante Williams, Sunshine Kid, Sunshine State Kid. You've been loving Florida for him for a while, and today I saw Miami pop up on his list. You're still going with the Gators, but I'm wondering if Dan Mullen's sweating this one yet. Well, I kind of walked it back a little bit last week, too, uh, with Miami. Um, I think that they're they're in it. Um, there's some that believe they're going to get them, um, and they, they think that close enough to home but not too close has a great relationship with Coach Banda and, and Coach Diaz and, and many of those guys uh, on the staff. And, and so I think that there's reason to believe that he could also pick Miami. Of, those, of, the, of the big three in Florida, Florida, Florida State, Miami – which of the programs do you think has the most recruiting firepower, whether that's their potential or who they have on staff? Well, right now, I think I think Florida has the most potential. Double-digit win seasons and a good football team coming back next year to really take another step forward and maybe be this year's LSU and make the college football playoff. I'm not going to predict the title, but there's, oh. certainly, there's certainly a team that you would have to consider uh, on the short list that, that has a chance to maybe get into that college football playoff this year. It's interesting, though, that Miami is kind of making this move, maybe on Avante Williams, despite the fact that Manny Diaz is, I mean, he has to win in, in year two, so... Well, one source said that he doesn't care about records and, and he doesn't care. I mean, he's he wants to be around people he can trust. And uh, I think he feels he can trust the coaching staff in Miami. All right. McKinley Jackson, four-star defensive tackle from Mississippi, could actually decide the race for the number one class early on Wednesday morning when he announces at 9.30 a.m. Central. If it's Alabama, you can give the Crimson Tide yet another number one. But if it's Texas A&M, then Georgia might be the number one class. And right now, you think it could be the Aggies. Yeah, I think that's the current pulse of the recruitment coming off his official visit to College Station this past weekend. He's been there several times. Even going into the visit, there were some sources that thought that Texas A&M was in the driver's seat as they battle Alabama down the stretch, great relationship with Elijah Robinson, who's done a good job with McKinley's family. And he likes the guys in Texas A&M's recruiting class and thinks it's real promising with the way Jimbo Fisher and his staff are building it up. But anytime this late in the cycle, when I'm predicting a, a prospect or thinking a prospect is leaning one way, if the other school is Alabama, I am most that's the school that makes me always the most nervous about a, a potential prediction and being wrong. And, and there's certainly a lot of reason why he would pick Alabama, and he took an unofficial back to Alabama's campus in January and, and uh, very familiar with their coaching staff and, and obviously what they've, what they've done on the field uh, year in and year out. So, uh, But the vibe I'm getting right now is, is Texas A&M, and if I'm still feeling that way, uh, uh, we're recording on Monday. If I'm still feeling that way on Tuesday, I'm going to put the crystal ball in. I know A&M fans were disappointed in their 8-5 and five season, but when you look at this recruiting class, it's, it's currently sixth in the country. Last year, they were fourth. 
Jimbo Fisher is starting to assemble and acquire the talent needed to compete for, I'm going to say, national national championships. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how these classes start to to really to add up on the field, and, and they return a lot too uh, this fall. Steve, they can add, Colin, go ahead. If they can add McKinley Jackson to what's already in the fold, the last two classes on the defensive side of the ball – have been pretty defense or championship level when you talk about landing guys like the Marvin Leal, who was in the discussion of the number one ranked prospect uh, in the country. And then some of the guys that they already have in, in this class with the potential McKinley Jackson. And, and, and then you have Jalen Jones who finished as a five-star with us and Antonio Johnson, a top 50 recruit and uh, Fidel Diggs and, and uh, Donna Harris, two of the high upside pass rushers. Uh, they're, they're really recruiting at a high level on defense. We're more than halfway over with this top 10 predictions. Alfred Collins will announce late afternoon on Wednesday at like 3.50 Central. He's a kid right out of Austin, but it's kind of taken him a while to really, uh, I guess, have the Longhorns in, in pole position. But two weeks in a row, you feel pretty confident about Texas uh, winning his signature. Yeah, of the 10 uh, predictions here, that's probably the one I'm most confident about is Texas landing the legacy recruit from nearby Bastrop Cedar Creek. I talked to one college coach that said, when you recruit Cedar Creek and you're inside the school, you just see the Longhorns everywhere uh, on the walls, on on the students walking the halls. And, and then you put the family connection in there. I do think that, that recruitment got interesting when Texas wasn't having the, the year that they wanted to have. And, and schematically, uh, I don't think he, he, he loved the three-man front, but now that Texas is moving to the four-man front, Baylor having a coaching change, um, I think also they were in the middle of it with Oklahoma. I just feel really good about the Longhorns, and, and they'll be a team to watch here late in the cycle too. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Steve's going to give us the latest on two running backs who still have a big decision to make. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back on the College Football Daily. We've got Steve Voltfong on the telephone. Steve, four-star running back Jameer Gibbs opened a ton of eyes in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. And at the time, as a Georgia Tech commit, we were all like, whoa, like who's going to swoop in and get Jameer Gibbs? Is it going to be Ohio State, LSU, Georgia? You think the Yellow Jackets are going to hang on to him, which would be a massive win, though, for Jeff Collins. Yeah, two almost 2,600 yards rushing this year, Trey, and, and 40 touchdowns, and then he looked phenomenal at the All-America Bowl. He's the jewel of a Georgia Tech class that's knocking on the door of the top 25, sitting at number 26 nationally in the 24-7 sports composite, and I think he's going to stick. I think Tashar Choice has done a great job with that recruitment. Jeff Collins is very involved. Talked to some people that spent some time with him on his official visit to Georgia Tech this past weekend, and they feel good about it. Now, I will say that he hasn't shut it down. Um, and, and hasn't said no to Florida yet. And, and so um, the Gators are still alive um, at, at the time of this broadcast, and, and so we'll see what happens. 
you know, when you started with the Tashar Choice thing, I was like, didn't understand he was a coach on the staff. And I was thinking maybe he just liked Tashar Choice growing up. And now I'm realizing that we're getting old, Steve. I mean, Tashar Choice and DeMarco Murray are running back coaches at the college football level. And, you know, it was what, 10 years ago, they were members of the Dallas Cowboys. So, wow, uh, that's a good one. Four-star wide receiver Malachi Weidman is committed to Florida State, but the fact that he hasn't decommitted yet is simply, I guess, a formality at this point because he's not going to Florida State in reading what you're writing. Could, probably going to Tennessee. You want us to keep an eye on Oregon. He visited Ole Miss this weekend. What's Malachi Weidman, who's also a very talented basketball player, going to do? Yeah, so this is one I'm still trying to really figure out. Um, I've been predicting Tennessee for the sake of having a prediction in that article. But if he picked Oregon, I wouldn't be surprised either. I think that he had a great official visit to Eugene and, and Mario Cristobal and his staff are doing a good, a good job also. And Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, they closed strong. I think they went five for five on their top targets in the early signing period. And, and they're going to do well down the stretch here if if track record is any evidence there. So um, maybe maybe the he, he had to take a short official to Ole Miss because of his basketball schedule. Maybe I'm sleeping on, on them. Maybe I'm sleeping on him sticking with the Noles. But I don't think he went back to campus after Coach Norvell got hired. And, and so uh, Oregon and, and Tennessee are, are two programs that I'm keeping a real close eye on for him. Last guy on our list. And I guess now is a good time to mention we haven't and we're not going to touch on players like Xavier Henderson and Jalen Berger, who are ranked higher than some of the guys we're talking about at the back half of this list. And Henderson, who's committed to Florida, and Berger, who's committed to Wisconsin. They have not signed, but you're hearing zero drama, zero mystery around the recruitment. So to mention them would be a waste of time. So here we go. Last guy, four-star running back, Ashad Clayton. I would venture to guess most casual or even relatively diehard recruiting fans have not heard of this guy, but the number 171 player in the composite out of New Orleans scoring to Colorado. Yeah, Trey, he's a guy that got injured as a junior and installed his recruitment, but he bounced back in a big way as a senior and helping his uh, New Orleans Warren Easton high team, along with Cedric Van Pran advanced to the state championship game. And it brought back some of the coaches that had moved on, but schools like Colorado and, and Kansas were really in the thick of it for the longest. And he took an official to, to both places. And, but, but Colorado uh, landed his commitment off an official visit in November. Darian Hagan did a really good job with that recruitment. And typically similar to how you said with Gibbs, it would have been easy to just project that ah, he's going to flip to Florida. Uh, took his official visit to Florida two weekends ago but returned to Colorado for an unofficial this past weekend and, and talked to some people that spent some time with them in Boulder. They feel good about him sticking. Um, but, but similar to Gibbs, I'm not told it's a hundred percent. So uh, maybe Florida does flip one of these two running backs late, but I don't have the information to predict it. Well, I'm sure you will. Eventually you are the guy to follow on signing day. It'll be great to have you in. And there's not much left for the class of 2020 and it's been interesting to see you kind of already rocking the beat on the class of 2021, breaking commitments left and right all weekend as, as programs hosted junior days. So I'm sure you're excited for these next few days to get over so you can really set your attention to 2021. But we appreciate having you on, Steve Voltfong. We'll have you on again Wednesday. And just a reminder to everybody, that podcast will come in the afternoon and not the morning because but we have to let the day play out before we can announce winners and losers. That is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support 
by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Steve Wolfong, for Connor Tapp, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you later Wednesday afternoon for a signing day edition of the College Football Daily. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.